Warning, the following podcast contains adult language and childish comedy. Listener discretion is advised. And now, please adjust your headphone volume to an unreasonable level and enjoy the most dynamic and electrifyingly entertaining podcast ever to conquer cyberspace. This is Amish Baby Machine. Hello, friends, and welcome to the most powerful podcast ever created, the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast, starring me, Dags. Today, we have a powerful episode, and speaking of power, across this powerful oaken desk is our powerfully assistant, assistant manager, Mike Rez. Powerful. What's up, Dags? How's it going, everybody? Flock, I hope you're doing well. It's all good. How are you? Loving it. It's uh, the weather here in Minnesota is turning. To that great coolness. The only problem is the tires on my car are getting low on tire pressure because of the cool weather. Yes, that's a phenomena in the great state of Minnesota and up north, up north there. Remember, we got to do more Minnesota shtick. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, we got to talk about jumper cables and up north at the cabin and my tire pressure gauge and taking that out there today. Drinking beer. Yeah, we're going to check it out. It's quite amazing, but if you take some long trips, you warm up the tire air, the molecules expand a little bit, and it cools your car into thinking that your tire pressure is great. That sounds like science. It is. Stop blinding me. Science with your assistant manager. Yes. Hello, friends. If you're new to this powerful podcast, what we talk about is food, music, movies, beer, everything pop culture and everything in between. And we're going to do more Minnesota stuff because Mike Rez is from the great state of Minnesota. (laughs) They talk about uh, some paranormal phenomenon that happened to me on Saturday. Are you familiar with Paranomia? No, what's Paranomia? It's a powerful song by The Art of Noise and Max Headroom. I'm going to need you to check it out. The Max Headroom? Yes. Wow. Powerful. Go ahead with your scary ghost story. All right. So on Saturday, doing my... uh, one of my radio shows on WFNU. You know the station well because you've been to the station. I have. It's in a church, I right. believe. Church basement, yes. Right off the, the gym that nobody uses. So I'm there Saturday doing my show. After the show, my co-host leaves, and I'm there alone editing my show like I usually do when I'm there on Saturdays. No big deal. Been there Well, the station's been at that building for two years now, so just edit it, throw it up, and then go on my way. Edit and forget it. Right. So I'm editing, and I hear the organ playing. It's a church, and I hear a choir singing. It's a church, thinking, wow, choir practice on a Saturday. I haven't heard that in a while. So editing, listening to their their singing, and then their singing stops, and I'm finishing my editing, thinking no big deal. So I'm leaving, and as I'm leaving, I'm expecting to see lights on in the sanctuary, lights on in the church, and to be bumping into people because they finished up within about five minutes of when I finished up. I walk out, Dags, 
All the lights are still off except for the one hallway light that I left on. Nobody's in the sanctuary. It's pitch black in that area of the church. Wow. Yes. And What's I, going on? I don't know. And I, I heard music. I'm not one to make this kind of shit up. There was music playing. There was singing going on. Let me ask you this. Were you drinking? No, it was a little too early to be doing that. Were you doing psychedelics? Um, like mushrooms? Shrooms. LSD. Whoa. Acid. Peyote. Ecstasy. Powerful. Not ecstasy. Oh, you, you were talking about you were in ecstasy. I was in ecstasy, yes. Yes, due to your editing. Right. Powerful. Yeah, it's crazy. We love ghost stories. By the way, today's powerful episode is going to be about a ghost blimp. Yes. That's also a nutty story. Yes, the L8, the mystery of the ghost blimp. So make sure you stick around for this whole powerful episode. Don't just listen five minutes and head out. Enjoy the whole episode. We got a great show today. As always, beer review, song of the day, powerful ghost story about a ghost blimp. It's going to be a great show. If anybody in the flock has a good ghost story, let us know. I want to hear more ghost stories. Yeah, I want to do ghost busting. Like with the proton pack and a trap? and Yes. And the flowers are still standing? I want to do ghost busting. I want to bust some ghosts. And to bust on a ghost? Powerful. God, this is going to be a great show today. Hell yeah. You know what? What? You know what I heard, though? What's that? Speaking of food, because I'm going to start speaking about food, Taco Bell's at it again. I heard. They got rid of their Mexican pizza. Come on, man. What do you think of that? By the way, I'm asking, what do you think of my, my, powerful, <laughs> my powerful Joe Biden sample? Listen to that. Come on, man. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, man. With a remix. Yes. Powerful Joe Biden. <laughs> oh my he's, God. he's got his own thoughts on Taco yes, Bell too. He does. Yeah. Well, Come on, man. What's so, going to be left on their menu? Chicken wings. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> I know. What's going on? What is your favorite Taco Bell delicious food? For a long time, it was the double decker taco. You got the soft corn or the soft flour tortilla wrapped around the hard shell. Yes. That's what I, I love that. You get a. What did that, that supreme? And it was awesome. Yes. Get the cream cheese. I like that. The chalupa was good. The gordita was good. I like those. We used to have uh, like a chili cheese burrito in high school. They would serve that that Taco Bell item in the in the cafeteria. So we we crushed a lot of those in high school. Powerful. I enjoyed in chorito. I enjoyed. I did like the Mexican pizza. That was good. I like the spicy tostada. Did I mention the beef Mexi melt? I enjoyed that. Uh, yeah, yes. you did now. I, I, see, I'm just overwhelmed. Yeah. We should do a- By uh, Soro or Saro or George Soros or something. We should do an ode to Taco Bell menu items past. Yes. Do a whole it's, episode on that. It's had a powerful history. We used to have Zantigos around here in Minnesota. I forgot. I think there's like one or two left. Yes. Zapatas, Antigos, Taco Bells. Actually, there's, there's still Taco Johns. I as you as you you mentioned Antigos, I believe in Highland Park, right where Davern and West Seventh and Highway Five kind of intersect. There, that is a small part of Saint Paul, 
Minnesota. Yeah, there used to be a Taco Bell there. It's as Antigo's now. Whoa. Yes. So it went away and came back. Yeah, it was reborn as a Zantigos. I remember that was right across the street from a strip club, if I remember correctly. Oh, you mean the apartment buildings? Oh. They, they, yeah, they tore down the strip club. They did. Yep. The uh, funny thing about that Taco Bell location, when the uh, Gorditas first came out, they had these giant window clings, and uh, the dining room was around the corner from the front of the, the where the cash registers were. So the employees couldn't actually see what was going on in the dining room area. The Gordita's window cling became a decoration on our wall in our apartment. How did that happen? It ended up in my pants somehow. Wow. Yes. The whole window, it was... (laughs) We could see like a a 19-year-old trying to walk out of there with a folded window cling in his pants. Wow. So no one noticed? Oh, absolutely not. Wow. I know of. Powerful story of powerful St. Paul memories. Yes. Back in the hoodlum days. Yes. I love Taco Bell, and it's kind of sad that they're getting rid of the Mexican pizza. Come on, man. I don't don't know. (laughs) Joe Biden's really upset about this. Calm down, Joe. Mm. Yes. Now he's happy. Ah. Powerful. We got Taco Bell getting rid of their Mexican pizza. We have ghost blimps. It's going to be a great show. Right, we have ghost choirs. Yes. Is that your first paranormal experience, your first ghostly experience? It's the first one that I think I've ever said out loud to anybody other than my family. I've had a couple others that that have probably happened. I'm pretty sure it wasn't the first time, but I should mention, at no time did I ever feel like there was some kind of evil, demonic thing going on there. So you were you were at peace. You were... Yeah, it was, it was, it was freaked out. I was freaked out. I was like, yes, Holy but you shit. weren't, there was no sense of dread. No, no. It was just one of those, you know, when you're a kid and you turn off the lights in your basement and then you run up the stairs as fast as you can because you're sure someone's going to get you. Yes. That's what it was. It was like, I got to get out of here right now. Was there cobwebs involved? Oh, there should. That would have been sweet. Cobwebs that weren't there before. It's like, oh no. Why are they called cobwebs and not just spider webs? It's a good question. It is. Made I mean, mostly of dust, though, aren't I'm going to need you to look it up. I didn't lose my glasses or anything. Falling <laughs> oh, around on the floor. Yeah. You <laughs> my glasses! You didn't, you didn't lose your contact lenses. <laughs> right. <laughs> Powerful. Now, I want to get into, you enjoyed some beverages. I did. Speaking of energy beverages, what, what did you drink right now to get you amped, to get you primed for the most powerful podcast ever created, the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast? Yeah, and usually I I sip on these things throughout the show, and this time I down this thing before the show even started. It was only in a twelve ounce can, but still, I'm usually you know I can you know nurse these things out a little bit. I I enjoyed the Monster Max Rad Red today, more of a cherry flavored zero sugar energy drink from Monster. I think uh, on the last show. Uh, it's still kind of the same line where it's that nitrous infused energy drink. That's what this is still down that same line, but this is the zero sugar part of it. Last week, I, I don't think uh, it was zero sugar, but pretty good. It's really delicious. It's uh, uh, filled with nitrous, no artificial flavors, no artificial sugars, sweeteners, anything like that. 
There is no age limit on here, so you can be under eighteen and enjoy this. Yeah, usually wow. it says eighteen. And normally and over. they're yeah they have scary warnings on there for kids. Yeah, you will die if you drink this under if you're under eighteen. So kids, if you're listening, drink up. Yes, Monster Max, zero sugar. And while we're on the topic of beverages, you have an actual beer review today. Yeah, and uh, I want the flock first uh, after this episode go. Go visit our uh, YouTube channel and go see the other. Yeah, let's get reviews. let's get into the pimping our social media. We're gonna need you guys to follow us on Twitter at Amish B Machine. Go to Instagram, follow us on Instagram, subscribe, like, comment on our powerful YouTube channel, starring Micah Rez. Mm-hmm. And if you're lucky, you can see one of my uh, powerful knives. Yeah, it was very scary. What'd you think of that? That thing was scary, wasn't it? It was. It was a longer and bigger than I thought it would be. Yes, I've heard that many times. Now, I'm going to need you to go to every social media you can think of. Look up Amish Baby Machine. A great way to also support our powerful podcast is Patreon, patreon.com. Also have links on AmishBabyMachine.com. And please buy our merch. Please. As we speak right now, it's on sale, but who knows when you're going to listen to this. It'll probably be on sale again. Yes. <laughs> we have hoodies. We have stickers. We have masks. We have tank tops. We have wall art. We have mugs. Everything you need. And I have tens of thousands of different designs. I think I have over 15 original designs. That's crazy. Yes. You have Not a lot just of time on your hands. Yes. Not just the logo, I have powerful biker version, I have powerful everything. I'm going to need you to go there, AmishBabyMachine.com, check out our merch, I got powerful links there, and Micah Rez, we also, we're going to give away some more movies, we have some powerful digital downloads that we're going to talk about. Yes, I can't wait, I'm excited about that. Yes. So that being said, let's get into your powerful beer review. All right, so I posted a picture. Uh, last week or within the last week um, of this recording. And if you want to go to at Mike Rez Radio on Twitter to follow me there, you'll see a picture of this can, which is very, very plain, but very, it does the job. It is the Modest Brewing Company Supra Deluxe Japanese Style Lager. The, the can itself is just the a black label with the Modest Brewing logo on it, and it says Supra in English, and I believe in Japanese as well, right underneath it. This is a beer that is brewed uh, with rice. So not just your, your typical beer ingredients. There's another big corporate beer that uses rice, tastes like shit. This beer tastes pretty good, actually, because you can control the ingredients a little bit more. When you are a craft brewery, like I said, it's brewed with rice. The color and head on this bags is the the head of the beer is pretty good. Um, I like to judge a lot of craft beers based on what you get uh, head wise. Um, yes, it's actually nice. the The color itself though is really light. I mean, it's almost it it's not clear, but it, it's way on the light side. Uh, now, is this considered a pilsner? It's a lager. It's a lager. Yeah, so it's a Japanese-style lager. Um, it's not very strong in taste. Uh, it's about a 5% uh, alcohol by volume. Um, but 
I enjoyed three of them. Whoa, the first one night. after another. One right after another. Now, as as you know, I'm probably going to ask the same questions over and over. Right. And go over something you already mentioned because I don't actually listen to you. No. But carry on. Yes. Yeah, so, I like I said, I enjoyed it. It tastes really good. I would uh, give this a three and a half out of five pint glasses. Whoa. Yeah. It was, uh, I finished the last one um, a couple days ago. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to get this again, actually. Great. So on YouTube, you reviewed a powerful video on the Saison by Funkworks Brewing, and then you did their white beer. Yes. And that one, uh, you'll have to watch that Yeah, one. you got to check it out. We're not going to give you everything no, here no, free, man. Yeah, what the hell? You got to go to YouTube. You got to subscribe, like, and comment because it's all about the powerful algorithms. That's right. If you subscribe, like, comment, and share in that order. I will say thank you. Yes. And by the way, podcasts, please leave a review on our podcast. Five-star rating is the highest. If you leave that, you will unlock the secrets to Mike Rez's beard. That's right. It might not happen all at once, but it'll eventually happen. But the beard has many secrets. Out of the last couple of beers you reviewed, are they getting better? Are they different? Or what's going on? They're different so the, with the different styles. Like the Saison is different than a white, which is different than this lager brewed with rice. It's all about the flavor profile and how your taste buds go on vacation. Now, do we know, or do you have to go get a new batch of beers, or do you still have some to review? I can pull some from the batches that I've had recently, because what I've, geez, I think I've had over 13 beers in the last two or three weeks. Whoa. So we've, we've got plenty in store. I need to review something. Yeah, I thought you were going to do some uh, some sodas, right? Some craft I need sodas? Some, I need to do some craft sodas. I need to do some fast food. Yeah. I need, to, I need just to do it. Yeah. And the guys at uh, the Top 6 podcast sent me an actual map of where I could buy some stuff that they want me to review. What kind of beer was that? It was a pumpkin uh, beer. It's pronounced pumpkin. Pumpkin. It's really good. I like uh, pumpkin beers are nice. So we'll, uh, we're going to give that a try. I'm going on a field trip. It's not that far from where I live, but it's still a field trip. Whoa, that's going to be cool. We have that to look forward to. Are you going to do a powerful video review on that one also? I think you should. Should we do both? Well, in fact, what I think you should do is you could do a little vlog maybe of your journey. My to the, journey? Yes, your journey to the brewery, your interaction with the people. Is it all like touchless and no contact and they put it in a weird tube and well, it's in shoot a, it into you or it's what? It's at a liquor store. So this brewery is actually in, I think, Pennsylvania or something like that. Whoa. Yeah. So uh, well, we're going to check it out because the guys from Top 6 have brought it up a couple of times. We are excited for your powerful review of the pumpkin beer. Yeah, I can't wait. It's Oktoberfest season too, so we're going to get some Oktoberfest. I think you I should might wear too. like one of those outfits. You mean like? Not just on Friday nights? Yes, not just on Friday nights. Oh, okay. Powerful cosplay. Yeah, we're going to, I think we're going to have to do a couple different Oktoberfests to see which brewery. You know, I think if we would have put some more time into it, maybe we'll do this for next year is do a uh, Oktoberfest top eight style bracket tournament and have people vote on it or something. Yeah, that's a good idea. We should do an Amish baby machine fest too. Ooh, that'd be sweet. Thank you for your powerful review 
assistant manager, Mike Arez. Thanks for listening to it. You've been very busy lately. I also tasked you to pick song of the day. Yes. I think it's a, a very fitting for our main topic. The song of the day is Sky Pilot by Eric Burden and the Animals. This is a 1968 song that was released on the album The Twain Shall Meet. When it was released as a single, Dags, because of its length, it was released on both sides. And then it was turned into a part one and a part two. So you had to flip over the record? You did, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That's cool. Yeah. So it reached number 14 on the U.S. pop charts and number 15 on the Canadian Hold on, hold on. So what you're saying is there's two sides of the record? Come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) I don't... Joe Biden even knows yes. that's, that's too much sometimes. Yeah, you got to flip Powerful. it over. Uh, the song is about a military chaplain uh, who sees pilots off before their raid. And then uh, in the mu- middle of the song, it's about uh, you know what he's thinking and what he's doing while they're at the raid. And then the end of the song is them coming back. So it's like a ballad uh, of, this, of the story of this chaplain that is uh, watching these pilots go off in World War II. That's cool. Yeah. Like I said, seven minutes, 27 seconds. That's the original length. Uh, part one and part two. So part one was 255. Part two was four and a half. Whoa. That's like when you DJ, that's like a go take a poop song. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Mine, when I was a powerful DJ. Wait, can I guess what it was? Yeah. Did I, I already I, tell you before? No, no, no. But I think I know what it is. Was it, was it meatloaf? It was Paradise for the... <laughs> Did you really know that? Do you, know why? You? Do you know why I know that? Why? Because that was my break song oh when I used God. to DJ. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that was... Another, if you want to hear another epic fail, uh, um, I was... One time, many moons ago, I did a 50s DJ night. And the thing, if you don't know about 50 <laughs> two, songs... Two minutes long each. If you're lucky. So what you do... And, Back then, everything was in uh, milk crates, and you had to pull up the records. Right. You're pulling yep. up the records, getting them all queued up. And then I still remember, just dead hair. <laughs> I didn't have anything queued up. And then I had to go, mm, I meant to do that. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, oh yeah. my God. God yes, Paradise used... by the dashboard lights. It doesn't get any easier when you, when you do CDs and stuff. Sometimes you hit the wrong CD, stop because you think you're queuing up CD2, but it's actually CD1, and you stop CD2, and everyone looks at you and you go, Shit. Yes, powerful. Oh, yeah. DJ days, right? Powerful DJ stories from Mike Rez and DJ Deggs. That's right. Uh, this song was uh, used in a couple uh, TV shows uh, in Eastbound and Down in the season one finale. And it was also used in the motion picture Zodiac. And it also appeared Whoa. on the Zodiac soundtrack. Have you seen Zodiac? I have not. Is it good? It's pretty good. Talks about the Zodiac killer. The 70s, you have to, it's kind of a long movie and it's kind of like two different parts, even though it's the same story, but uh, it's pretty good, uh, pretty good movie. But nonetheless, Song of the Day, Sky Pilot by Eric Burden and the Animals. You have a story about Eric Burden, don't you? Well, I have enjoyed him in concert. Did he sing this song? You know, I can't remember if he actually played it, but I remember... What's that? I dreamt I was in a Hollywood movie. I drink that wine. Bam, bam, bam. You know, oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that song rocks and House of the Rising Sun, obviously. Yep. Uh, it's, the Animals, 
It was Eric Burden and the animals. And the animals. Videos are cool if you ever watch any of the old videos. Yeah, there's a couple of cool videos on on YouTube. This, uh, some of them, of course, throw in old. He, you know, he'll pictures. usually do his rap before he gets into it or describe the song. Yep, he was still performing this song live as of 1999. Whoa! Yeah, that's crazy. So and I probably I probably did hear him sing it then. Probably, yeah. Oh, and uh, he did a, a power metal version on his album, the official live bootleg 2000. Whoa, power metal version. Power metal, whatever power metal is. Let's click on that and see what the heck power metal is. What's your opinion on when people do, like someone from a different genre of music does a cover of it? It, uh, I don't know. It kind of depends on who it is. That's that's barrier number one. Yeah. And then, uh, and I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. Because there's people's style of music are different. Uh yeah. Billy Joel Armstrong from Green Day is doing a version of Tiffany's I Think We're Alone Now. Oh, my God. It's horrible. Yes. Can't stand it. Yeah. You know, I think, and then you have to like it because it's Johnny Cash or it's Tom Jones. Yeah, but Johnny Cash did a really good version of Hurt by Nine Inch Nails, and I think I like that version better. Well, I, you know, people like Johnny Cash, obviously. Tom Jones did, uh, with the Art of Noise, did Kiss. By Prince. Right. Yeah, but that one, I don't think I like that cover either. I think, you know, Prince is Prince. But a lot of times, Prince, like, uh, Nothing Compares to You by Skinhead O'Connor, she did a v- better version than his version. Right. Yeah, and she recorded her version first. Uh, but Prince wrote it, so. And then there's also, like, Bruce Springsteen, Manfred Mann, Earth Band, doing Blinded by the Light. Springsteen did Blinded by the Light. Oh, he did, yeah. have to look that version up. Powerful. I think Manfred Mann's probably better anyway, because that's the one I heard first. Yes, I think it's the one that a lot of people heard first. He's around here in the great state of Minnesota on KQRS. They play that nonstop. (laughs) I used to intern there. Wrapped up like a douche. Oh, yeah. That was a, a good time, a year and a half of my life. Powerful. Yeah, it was sweet. Grabbing cigarettes and coffee for the DJs. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's pretty awesome. The uh, when they went digital and they transferred everything over to their their digital library and they went from CDs to that. Uh, Grand Funk Railroad was the first uh, group to go digital on KQ, and I know this because I'm the one that put it in their library. Whoa. Yep. Some kind of wonderful and uh, American band. Yes. Those were the first two in the library. And I know this because I did it. Did they have tape carts? Were they gone or? Uh, they had a, they used tape carts for their commercials. They did. Their ads. Uh, everything else was CD by the time I got there. And then when I left, everything was getting transferred over to digital. Powerful. Yeah, it was sweet. It was actually pretty good. Some of them were on, uh, we used some DAT too. Yes. So that was, uh, that was nice. It was, we, they used to come. Uh, some of the dat and some of the ads would come uh, via satellite. So one of my jobs when I got there was to go to one of the other studios and pull all the satellite ads off of uh, the satellite feed, throw them on dat or throw them in the, uh, on a cart or throw them in the, the audio library, depending on what the customer paid for. You know, it's kind of funny because the audiophile nerds, you know, they love the vinyl and then there's uh, little sub 
subsets of the nerds that they're only into reel to reel. Yeah. That's old school reel to reel. Yes. I learned how to splice reel to reel. Yes. Powerful splicing. Yeah. Tape and, and razor blades. It was crazy. Yes. The different world. Yeah, kids these days don't know. Yes, they don't know the struggles of splicing reel-to-reel and not knowing what's on it. Have you ever done reel-to-reel splicing? I've only met one other person that has that I didn't go to school with. I'm going to say I did. There's oh, no sweet. Way, there's, there's no way to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of people that See, the that beauty of it. me is I know a little bit about everything, so I, I, can, I can lie really well. There's no way to prove it. Nice. Are you lying yes. about lying? Yes. Nice. Yes. Isn't that powerful? I love it. Thank you, Mike Arez, for that powerful song of the day. Eric Burden and the Animals, Sky Pilot. Uh, Pilots in flight, afternoon delight, afternoon delight. Yes, powerful. Rubbing sticks and stones Do you remember who did that song? Uh, God, it was... as soon as you asked me, it, it left my head. Um, Starlight Music Band. Wow. Starlight Woo! Vocal Band? Is it Vocal Band? Is it Vocal Band? Or... It probably is. It probably but is. But I could be lying. You could be. Now, it's the time song. of the show when we're going to get into the actual main topic. Thank you, everyone that waited. Instead of just go, I can only listen two seconds. I have ADHD. <laughs> if they don't get into the topic, I'm leaving. Yeah. Screws up our algorithm. Stay longer than five yeah, minutes. Yeah, stay, leave reviews, buy our merch, get on top of your roof, and just shout out that Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast is the most powerful podcast ever created. Today, the topic of the show is the mysterious L8. It's a ghost blimp. World War II. Take it away, Mike Rez. All right, the ghost blimp, the L8, was an airship... That took off on a mission in 1942. L8's two-man crew boarded the gondola shortly before takeoff. It was piloted by Lieutenant Ernest DeWitt Cody and Ensign Charles Ellis Adams. Both were Navy veterans. They were married, not to each other, with an exemplary service record. Cody, the senior aviator of the Airship Patrol Squadron 32, was a 1938 graduate of Annapolis. He is also remembered as a uh, very taciturn by nature, not one to lose his head under pressure. In fact, his commanding officer considered him one of the most capable pilots and one of the most able officers under his command. Cody was a latecomer to lighter-than-air or LTA flight. He hadn't been designated a naval airship aviator until December 1941, only 27 years old when he arrived at Otfet Field in February of 1942. He was a lieutenant junior grade at the time. He also sported a mustache dags, most likely to appear older. Powerful. Yeah, that's why I grow this beard. Yes. Although technically senior to his passenger, Cody was 11 years younger than Ensign Adams and significantly less experienced. In fact, the Blimps pilot had only 756 hours of LTA flight time, while Adams had over 2,000 hours of flight hours. Actually, 2,281, to be precise. But the lieutenant did have one notable achievement under his belt. In 1942, he had flown the L-8 to deliver precious cargo to the USS Hornet, before the ship departed for Doolittle's air raid over Tokyo. Cody held the L-8 steady over the carrier's bobbing flight deck while 300 pounds of spare parts were lowered 
for the beef 25 bombers. Enzyme Adams had 20 years in LTA flight craft. A veteran of the Navy's giant rigid airship program, he served aboard uh, Los Angeles ZR-3, the Akron ZRS-4, and the Macon ZRS-5. The 38-year-old crewman had even been decorated by the German government eggs for, get this, helping rescue Hindenburg passengers after that airship caught fire and crashed. Whoa. Yeah, it's uh, quite amazing that he was uh, there for that part and was involved with this mysterious story. Although Adams was more experienced in airships than Cody, he'd only received his commission the day before their August 16th flight. In other words, he was making his first LTA patrol as an officer. Flight 101 was scheduled to fly to the Fairland Islands, 30 miles west of San Francisco. Then it was to head north to Point Reyes and south uh, to Montara Beach before returning to Treasure Island, where it took off from. The patrol would take over four hours with Lieutenant Cody Nenzine Adams expected to return to base sometime between 10 and 10.30 that morning. The flight started out routine in every way. The Airship Patrol Squadron 32 was the first LTA unit to be established on the West Coast after Japan's attack on Pearl Harbor. Originally part of Goodyear's fleet of advertising blimps, the L-8 had been purchased by the Navy, shipped to Moffett Field and assembled and commissioned on March 5, 1942. Uh, the point of this mission was to search for Japanese submarines off the west coast of the United States. At 6.03 a.m., L-8, or Love-8 as it was known, lifted off from Treasure Island with Cody at the controls. Winds were light and it flew at a ceiling of 800 to 1,000 feet. L-8's mission was to patrol within a 50-mile radius of San Francisco. Once Cody passed over the Golden Gate Bridge, he headed southwest toward the Farallon Islands. At 7.38 a.m., an hour and a half into the patrol, he radioed L-8's position as four miles east of the Farallons. Four minutes later, he sent a second message that they were investigating a suspicious oil slick and that they should stand by. Oil slick could indicate an enemy sub lurking below the waves, so it's not surprising that the L-8 dropped uh, two float lights, which were smoke smoke bombs, basically. Marker flares, if you will. At 7.42, and then began to search the area. When the Liberty ship Albert uh, Galatian spotted the L-8 smoke flares, its crew sounded the general alarm and manned its guns. Sailors from the nearby fishing trawler Daisy Gray worried that the blimp was about to depth charge an enemy sub, so they pulled in their nets. No bombs were dropped. Instead, the L-8 circled the area for more than an hour. The blimp was close enough to the Daisy Gray that the trawler's first mate could make out two men in the gondola, one of them with dark hair. Though L-8's identification had been removed from its outer envelope, it was still painted on the control cabin. The Daisy Grays and the Galatians crew watched through binoculars. The blimp circled at 200 to 300 feet, at one point descending to 30 feet above the waves, as if the crew wanted to a closer look at something. Then shortly after 9 a.m., L-8 dropped ballast, rose, and headed back toward San Francisco. Since blimps regularly patrolled the California coast, nobody thought L-8's movements seemed unusual. The L-8 broadcast its last message at 7.42, before circling the oil slick. After that, wind control tried to reestablish radio contact without success. 
squadron headquarters was not told of L8's radio silence until 8.20, but it wasn't unusual for blimps to lose contact during patrol. The next indication of L8's whereabouts came at 10.49, when a Pan American Clipper pilot reported seeing the blimp over the Golden Gate Bridge. He spotted nothing wrong with the ship, which appeared to be under control and headed back to base. At 11, one of the Kingfishers reported seeing the L8 three miles west of Salada Beach, raising through the overcast at 2,000 feet. Nothing indicated that the L8 was not in control of the flight, but 2,000 feet was close to the blimp's pressure height, the altitude where its valves would automatically open and vent helium to prevent its gas cells from bursting. Next to sight the L8 was an Army P-38 pilot who spotted the blimp near Mile Rock. He noticed nothing amiss. Assuming that it was headed to Treasure Island, a few minutes later, Richard Quam, an off-duty seaman heading for a day at the beach, was driving along the coastal highway between San Mateo and San Francisco when it spotted the L-8 in the distance and noted that the blimp was bent in the middle. Approximately 11.15 a.m., five hours after L-8 left Treasure Island, the blimp approached the shore at Ocean Beach in San Francisco, about a mile or south of Fort Funston. The blimp touched down briefly on the beach, then moved inland until its gondola hit the side of a hill. Packing the starboard engine with dirt and leaves and bending its propellers, the blow also knocked one of the depth charges loose, and it rolled downhill before coming to a stop. Suddenly free of 300 pounds, the L-8 then rose, cleared an embankment, and disappeared from sight. Sunday morning, golfers at San Francisco's exclusive Olympic club stopped to watch the blimp as it limped overhead. 17-year-old C.E. Taylor told the San Francisco Call Bulletin uh, that he put his binoculars on it and could see figures inside the cabin. By the time thousands of people that were watching the blimp float inland, members of the Daly City Fire Department who were burning brush on a nearby hill gave chase, soon joined by local police, good Samaritans, and what is described as a posse of wookie-loos. At 11.38, L-8 came to rest in the middle of Bellevue Avenue. The blimp's cabin actually nosed into a utility pole in front of home breaking off the cross arm and forced the collision swung by the blimp's tail into the electrical wire sending shower of sparks to the ground and fortunately the fuel did not ignite firemen soon surrounded the blimp slashing its envelope in an effort to free the crew they thought must be trapped inside they saw, saw no sign of cody or adams as a precaution authorities set up a perimeter around the crash site the two naval officers vanished uh, in one of the most heavily trafficked areas between San Francisco and the Farallon Islands. An inspection revealed that all three of L-8's parachutes were still on board, along with its single raft, life raft. Two of the blimp's five smoke bombs were missing, but those were accounted for because the crew had used them to mark the oil slick. A briefcase containing classified material was found left behind the pilot's seat. L-8's engines were in perfect working order. The ignition switches were on and the blimp's instruments and flight controls operated normally. They had four hours of gas remaining in the fuel tanks. So in other words, there was nothing wrong with the ship itself, Dags. Uh, The only thing that was amiss was that both crewmen were missing after authorities came to check out the crash site. The U.S. Navy immediately launched an extensive search for the two missing men. Air raid wardens and San San Mateo County Highway Patrolmen spent the night combing the area Uh, where the L-8 had drifted ashore for the next three days. They found no trace of either crewman. So let's talk about this. When was the last sighting of the the two pilot and co-pilot in the gondola? Uh, That was over 
uh, the oil slick. So that was about 7.49 a.m. Someone on one of the, the boats in that fishing boat said they were looking in their binoculars and saw two men in the gondola and one had dark hair. So they were able to see actual details of the two men inside the gondola. When it was over the ocean. So they, no one was spotted after they went back. Some of the planes in the area said that they noticed some gentlemen in there. I don't think they said they like saw, could confirm that there were two guys in there. I think they said they thought they saw two guys in there, but they said the blimp was not acting erratic. It was acting as normal, up and down, just like it was on patrol. When did they spot that it was bent? Uh, that was at 10.49, just as it was going over the the golf course that the golfers so was this after the impact with the cliff was before the impact with the cliff so we do not know what damaged the blimp no we are unaware of what damaged the blimp later on in the story it does talk about that when they got to the crash site the door of the cabin was open with its uh, locking latch in the lock position so it had somehow opened, but the latch was still locked. One of the things they think that may have happened when they went down to 30 feet to investigate the oil slick, or one of the engines was acting up, one of the men went out to try to either get a better look at the oil slick or try to see if they could repair the engine. And as they were doing that, fell out. And then the other gentleman inside the cabin thought maybe he could rescue the neck, you know, the person who fell out pretty easy, and they ended up falling out as well. Which would put a hole in the story of the fishing boat saying that they saw two crew members in the gondola as it raised back up. Now, what are some theories of what happened to these two gentlemen? One theory is, is that they got into a fight over a woman. One killed the other, threw them out, and then jumped out himself. Another theory. Of course, it's 1942, so aliens. Of course, that, uh, that one doesn't, doesn't seem to hold water. To me, that seems the most plausible. Aliens. And, yeah, and then, of course, in the one we just talked about, the engine repair slash getting a better look at the oil slick. Um, there is one story. One of the witnesses thought they'd seen a parachute at one point. Uh, but that was quickly dismissed because there was no evidence of any parachute in the water when they said when they were searching when they searched the water or the the hillside or the cliffside they would have found a parachute. They were wearing life vests, correct? They were wearing life vests at at the time. That was protocol. Anytime anyone was flying over in these airships over the water, you the water was calm and the weather was clear. clear. Yep. So something's going on. Something's going on. Was this anywhere near the Bermuda Triangle? Not close at all. But it could have been the West Coast parallelogram. Yes. Nobody talks about that. Dodecahedron. Powerful. What what do you think happened? I'm thinking the uh, checking out the oil slick and engine theory is probably the most plausible, where one of them leans out to take a look and falls out, and the other one tries to help, and they fall out. Now, wouldn't they radio? Wouldn't there be a mayday? You would think with an engine, yes. They, the last known transmission was, we see a suspicious oil slick. Stand by, we're going to investigate. 
Yep, that's pretty much what they uh, said they were doing. They were saw an oil slick. They were going to check it out, and that was it. So something's going on. Something is going on. I'm not quite sure what it is. I, it, it sounds really mysterious. Like there would, like foul play, would definitely you would think would come into play. Both men were married, though. I, mean, I don't know. Maybe one of them. Yes, slept because with the married other men wife. never have affairs. Never. No. Never. Something's going on. We have paranormal. I'm thinking Leviathan, Krakens. You think the Kraken got him? Yes, I'm thinking St. Elmo's Fire. Clash of the Titans type stuff? Because they believe St. Elmo's Fire had something to do with the Hindenburg disaster. Interesting. And yes. the one guy was there. At, yes. At the Hindenburg disaster. Powerful orbs, energy, foo fighters. You think... Uh, Willow the Wisp. The Russian government had anything to do with it? No. Oh. I'm going with paranormal, powerful. Yes, it's very scary. These two guys disappeared. I want to know what's going on. What What about- They had their life jackets on, life vests. Right. But water was calm. What about this theory? And this one just, I'm just thinking about this one. What if they were Japanese spies and the oil slick was from a sub that was going to pick them up? Yes, but interesting. Then that doesn't. Uh, they would. They would bring the classified briefcase with them, though, wouldn't they? Yeah, the briefcase. Something's going on. Yeah, interesting. Like if they fell over, if one guy would have fell over, you think it's calm water. I don't th- think he would have panicked. He would have first got on the radio and said, "You know, I'm going to hop in here." Or do you think he would have hopped in right away? I don't know what the procedure is. Yeah, I don't know what it is either. Unless he was young, maybe the older one fell in, and then the younger one was like, oh, I got this. You know, I'm, I'm young and virile. And you think the life vest would have been floating, like if something happened to them, like sharks. Right. Did they have the, uh, I think they have them on, uh, like on, on crab boats and stuff. You see, when their suits, when they hit the water, they have that strobe that flashes. You think they had strobes back then? They had some sort of device, because what year was this? 40? 42. They had something, obviously, because ships were, there was, you know, shipping, planes. They, right. they had some sort of distress. I don't know what it was off the top of my head. But something's going on, and this mysterious blimp. And then I'm also concerned of the damage to the aircraft. You said it was not from the cliff collision. No. No, it was limping before it was bent. What they say bent in half, like it was deflating. And did both depth charges, one fell off and they found it, and was the other one? The other one was still attached. Attached. Yeah. So they didn't drop any depth charges. No. And I, for the flock that don't own, I just found out myself depth charges only blow up under the pressure of water. So them falling off over land, there was no worry about them exploding. Broken arrow. There's been a lot of stories of nukes falling off of planes. Right. Perhaps that could be another powerful episode of Broken Arrow. Yeah. That was a good Christian Slater movie. Yeah, also, I mean, that's happened to you, right? Where, like, a beer fell off your six-pack and rolled under the seat of the car? Yeah. That's, that's like that, a broken that's arrow. That's a broken arrow situation, it really is. for sure, yeah. Yes. Yep. Broken arrow. I, I make the car stop, and I go get it. Well, thank you for that powerful research on that powerful story of the L8, the ghost blimp mystery, the Zeppelin, dirigible, whatever you want to call it. The dirigible. You're showing me a powerful picture of your blimp. Whoa. Yeah, I just, I just found this that's picture. That's bent. It's bent. Your blimp is bent. Yeah. You think I should see a doctor? 
No, only if it's been for more than four hours. I'm going to need you to send me that picture too. Look at that I'll, girth. Yes. I'm going to make a powerful thumbnail and you're going to need to enjoy it on our YouTube channel, Amish Baby Machine, the most powerful YouTube channel ever created. Thank you for listening to this powerful episode. We just ask you one thing. Please tell a friend, tell a family member about this powerful podcast. And until next time, you've just enjoyed the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast. Thank thank you for listening to the Amish Baby Machine Pop Culture Podcast. It is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere else fine podcasts are found. Please support our podcast through Patreon and and shop our merch at AmishBabyMachine.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. This has been an Amish Baby Machine production.